Welcome to It's Time on CSN International, the daily teaching ministry from the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. On today's episode, we'll be listening to Senior Pastor Mike Kessler as he teaches in the book of Mark. Each of the four Gospels has a different approach and different audience targeted by the Holy Spirit. The book of Mark is a fast-paced, action-packed tome focused on Christ's role as a servant. By studying the examples of Christ in the book of Mark, we can learn a great deal about what our life as Christians should look like and the heart of Christ. With our study on Mark, here's Pastor Mike. We've been looking at the book of Mark and actually the life of Jesus through the eyes of Mark. Now the reason why this is important again to look upon line upon line, precept upon precept, to understand the fullness of what God has in His Word concerning the promises of Messiah. Now, as we left off in chapter 15, we remember that Jesus had been crucified, him being crucified about nine o'clock in the morning, dying about three o'clock in the afternoon. Now, as we look at this picture, it's interesting. The Bible says that they rolled a stone in front of the tomb. He was buried and they rolled the stone in front of the tomb. And the next question would be, Oftentimes we go right into the resurrection of Christ. But a lot of people have asked this question. It's a question that's come up on the program to every man and answer quite often. Where did Jesus go for those three days that he was dead, you might say? We're going to talk about that this morning. Let's pray. Father, we go to your word now. We ask you that you would bless it to our hearts, that we'd have a better understanding of who we are and who you are. Lord, that we would understand the relationship we should have with one another, God, in caring and concern and love. Father, we ask you now that as we would spend this time studying together, that you would anoint it, that you would remind us of it, and keep us mindful of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I know we're in the book of Mark, but I'd like you to go over to the book of Luke this morning, chapter 16. Now, the reason why is because there is a story that Jesus gave concerning life after death, at least up to the time in which Jesus was crucified on the cross. Now, the Old Testament tells us that the blood of bulls and goats could never completely remove our sins. For all of us, maybe maybe you're new here this morning, you say, Mike, what's the sin thing I hear about? Sin is missing the best that God has for you. It is a Greek term, and the term means not hitting the bullseye, okay? It didn't matter whether you shot and hit Burley, or you missed the bullseye by a quarter of an inch. You didn't hit the bullseye, you sinned. That's what it means. You didn't get the best God had for you. So the Bible tells us then that when we don't hit the bullseye, God's best for us There is a transgression. We do not have the fullness and the completeness of what God wants in our lives. And so therefore, the Bible says, when we err, when we rebel against God, it is interesting that the Bible lists murdering the same as lying in the Bible. God doesn't see sin any difference. The repercussions of sin in this life would be different. Perhaps you might go to prison uh, for the rest of your life for murdering somebody. And maybe for a lie, maybe you might get a slap on the wrist from your mom or your dad. But in God's eyes, the Bible said sin is sin. And so we understand that sin breaks fellowship with God. In other words, that when we sin, we no longer are hearing God's voice for our life. We are hearing our own directives. Now, what God endeavors to do is to take and restore us back to that 
hearing God's voice, that way your life will be complete. In other words, that your life will mean something in this life and the life to come. There's nothing worse than a wasted life. You think about it for a minute. You think how many people you personally know, and you look at them and say, golly, they have wasted their life. What a tragedy. God doesn't want waste in your life, nor in the life of any of your friends. That's why the Bible says God made a provision to reconcile Him to us. Now, this is something we couldn't do. Now, we understand the Ten Commandments. That tells us what God's standard is. That tells us what God expects from us. But as you've lived your life, you know that none of us can live up to the Ten Commandments. It's it's really inevitable that you're going to blow it. And you know why you blow it? A lot of people don't know this, but uh, we have a rebellion towards God. And we have an old sin nature. Our bodies are bent to sin. They just are. That's why it's hard to control them. Now you say, well, Mac, I sure am glad. I'm glad you're not talking about me. I gave up drinking years ago. But have you given up sugar? I, I Last night I went and ate at a restaurant and had one of those molten ice cream fudge cake things. And you know, your brain is saying, this ain't health food. And you know, I'm amazed at the war that goes on in our minds, saying to ourselves, yeah, but it really won't hurt you. It's good. And then you hear a voice in your head saying, a minute on the lips, forever on the hips. And I think, do I really want to do this? And then I go, yes. (laughs) I'm amazed at this war that we fight, oftentimes of our bodies, because we want weird things. And our bodies, the Bible says, the, the desires of the flesh separate us from the love of God. Now, it's also an internal problem. Our soul is sick, and this is what God wants to correct and heal. And the Bible tells us that that where in the Old Testament we knew God's standard, we knew what He expected from us as humans, from the Ten Commandments, yet we never could do that. And so when we erred and not did and got the best God had for us, We would then go as Jewish people to the temple and the priest would recommend the required sacrifice, maybe a bull or a goat or or a dove or something. And we would lay our hand on that and then the priest would have us, he would reconcile us to God. And and this is what what would, but the problem is the Bible says the blood of bulls and goats never removed the sin. All it could do was cover it. And so because of that, When people died before Jesus, they went to an interesting place called Abraham's bosom. Now this was a place, a paradise. It was a holding tank, you might say, waiting the Messiah. Now the Bible tells us that it was divided into two places. We're going to read about it here in just a second. It was also a place where the wicked, when they died, they also went waiting the great white throne judgment that we find mentioned in the book of Revelation. Now, uh, look at chapter 16 of the book of Luke, and look at verse 19. And it tells us about this place that people went. Now, first of all, this is not a parable or a story to help you believe in God better. Jesus never used names in any parable. So this is why most all Bible scholars reckon that this is not a parable, but this is an actual place that Jesus was speaking of. Verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple 
and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Now, faring sumptuously meant he ate Gucci. He had the best there was. He had all the, the, the finest cuisine. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, and he was full of sores, who laid at his gate and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which would fall from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs also came and licked his sores. Now, you think about this for a minute, and you see, oftentimes, friends, the injustices of the world. You'll see some with very much that do nothing to help those that are poor. I think it was also interesting here, he laid by his gate, evidently, He was by his gate on the outside, not on the inside. For had he been on the inside of the gate, that would have prevented the dogs from coming up and licking his sores. But he was on the outside of the gate where probably he couldn't keep the dogs away from doing those very things. By the way, some days you think you've had a bad day. (laughs) Imagine being sick and having sores all over you and the dogs coming up and, and licking them. So he says, so the, verse 22, so it was that the beggar died and was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom and the rich man also died and was buried. Notice there's a big difference here. The rich man died and was buried. But Lazarus, the Bible says, the angels came and got him. Now I think that's kind of an interesting picture that we find here, that God views life and death much differently than we do. And so it says... The rich man was buried, and being in torments in Hades, the rich man lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. I send, send Lazarus that he may dip his tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue, for I'm tormented in the flame. Now, uh, this kind of flies in the face of annihilation that when you're dead, you don't feel anything anymore. Second of all, it also tells you that when you're dead, you also still recognize people. So they recognized who Lazarus was. Probably Lazarus no longer had the sores all over his body. But now he he was probably restored. But he still knew who he was. The rich man knew that he was thirsty. He knew who Lazarus was. And he knew that he was tormented in the flames. Now I tell you, friends, that this tells me a little bit more about a picture of separation from God, that it isn't just outer darkness, but it's also a place of torment. And this is why Jesus uh, died on the cross for us. Now, he says, I'm tormented in the flame. But Abraham said, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and you are tormented. And besides all this, Between you and us, there is a great gulf fixed, so that those who cannot pass from there to here, nor can you come from there over to us. And then he said, I beg you therefore, Father Abraham, that you would send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers that may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. And Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father, this guy is in hell. And he's still trying to order people around. Does this tell you something interesting about the old sin nature? Hello, do you know where you're at? 
tell Lazarus to go up and tell my five. And then he tells Abraham, no. Do you see what's lacking in this person's life? There's a lack of humility. Friends, once you come to Christ, one of the things you realize is, one, there is a God, and two, you're not it. And that's an important thing to grasp in your relationship with God and your fellow men. It ain't about you. Now, I know a lot of people think that it is. In fact, our society says it's all about you. If it feels good, do it. Serve yourself. Me first. He with the most toys, when he dies, wins. They never tell you nothing, but that's another part. The problem is, is that it ain't about us. And we always need to have an eye to help somebody's life be better. Now, friends, endeavoring to do that, sometimes you'll come under criticism. I realize that. Don't let it bother you. Jesus came under criticism as well. They came to Jesus one time and they said, Jesus, you eat with the publicans and the sinners. Now, we've talked about this before. When you ate with somebody in those days, you became one with them. And you say, Mike, what do you mean? You can go around the world today. And I've shared this story before when, when I was in Tonga, a little island nation out in the South Pacific, about uh, four hours plane ride north of New Zealand, built a radio station there. And one night we're on, my, on our way over to uh, some people's uh, place and uh, my friend says, I might tonight. If you get a thing that looks like an onion ring, you're the guest of honor on your plate. And I said, oh, is that good? And he goes, no, that's the tail of the dog you're eating. And I said, oh, okay. So we got there and we lined up very much like we do on a thing here. Imagine like, uh, you know, the first Sunday of every month we have our agape feast here. And after the service, after we have communion and we break bread together, then we all stick around and hang around here, meet new friends and break bread together. And I don't know what we're going to have the next agape feast, maybe spaghetti or something, but imagine it's spaghetti. Now, we don't do this here, but this is the way it was when I was in uh, Tonga. There's a big, long plate. And you got your banana leaf. Some people had plates. And I'm looking for the silverware. Yeah, there's no silverware here, man. And I said, well, can I wash my hands? I go, there's no running water here. So you put your dirty hands in the spaghetti. You pick it up and you put it on your leaf. And then you went to the sauce and you just reached in like that and you put it on there. Licked your hands off. And then you got the olives, put those on there and lick your hands off. This is why the Pharisees objected to Jesus. Because when you ate with somebody, whatever bugs, germs, and diseases they had, you would soon have as well. Talk about double dipping. This takes it to a whole new level. Because what would happen is that they would eat together. And, you would, and there wasn't silverware like we have today. And so you would reach into the food and you would tear off the bread. And whatever they had on their fingers was now on that bread that's still left. And then you would eat that. And pretty soon everybody's just kind of all swap and slobber and it's crazy. And Jesus was accused. He said, why? They asked Jesus, do you eat with the publicans and the sinners? And Jesus said, the sick ones are the ones who need the doctor. Jesus did not feel embarrassed or challenged to become one with us. That's what the Bible tells us in uh, Revelation chapter 3. 
When Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, sup with him, and he with me. That means I will have dinner with you. And that means, again, without silverware. And that's kind of interesting to me that God wants to do that. He wants to become part of our lives to help us in our lives. You're not in this life alone. I know sometimes, even as a Christian, it can be one of the most lonely experiences. And I'm speaking of this as a pastor as well. It's one of the loneliest times that we'll go through in our lives. But remember, no trial lasts forever. And God will see you through. The Bible here tells us that This person that was not regenerated by the Spirit of God was still very selfish, very self-seeking, very self-serving. Well, tell Lazarus to go back to my father and warn my five brothers not to come here. And and, and, uh, Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. And he goes, no! Hey, buckaroo, do you have a clue where you're at? Look what he says. Abraham said to him, they have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And the rich man said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But then he said to him, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rises from the dead. Interesting. This is exactly a prophecy concerning Jesus Christ, that he was to raise from the dead, and they still would not believe him. Well, interestingly enough, the Bible tells us, and I'd like you to turn over to the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, and we're going to look and see where Jesus went when he died. Because Jesus went to this very place that we just read about. Because up to the time in which Jesus died for everybody's sins, the blood of the bulls and the goats in the temple could only cover the sins. It never removed the sins. Now you say, Mike, what's the difference? Well, here's the good illustration. Let's say uh, we wanted this to go away. I know it'll make the musicians unhappy. And we we decide we're going to make this go away. Well, I can take a, a, a sheet and throw it over the top of it. Now, did that make it go away? No, it covered it, but it didn't make it go away. It's not till it's picked up and carried out has have has it really truly gone away. Is it truly gone? Well, up to the time of Jesus' dying, a person's sins were only covered. They were not removed. Now, here's the issue with that, though. Though they were covered, though there was a recompense made for them, it was not removed. And God does not have sin in His presence, friends. So man could then truly not go into the presence of God with only his sins covered. They must be removed. Now, when you begin to understand this, you realize what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross. You know, we've talked about this before, but unless you have a real need for a gift, you don't appreciate the gift. And and it's not till we really realize how reproachful you might say we were to God before Jesus died on the cross for us, that God would even have anything to do with us. But you know, when the blood of Christ covers our lives and covers our hearts and covers our purposes. We're a new creature. The Bible says, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. And friends, that's a neat thing. Because that's something that God wants to do. Not just for you, but for every person that you know. So as we look at this here, and let's look at chapter 4 of Ephesians, verse 7. 
It tells us a little bit more of what Jesus did. Not only did he cover our sins, but the Bible said he gave us gifts. And I like that. I always like gifts. Don't you like presents? I like presents. I like to be surprised. Now, sometimes I don't like to be unpleasantly surprised. But I do like to be surprised, don't you? Have you ever been around people that just can't keep a secret? When I'm really bad for that. Because I always like to give people clues, and in the process of giving people clues, I usually tell them what it is. I got you something. What'd you get me? Well, I can't tell you, but it, it flies. You know, oh, well, that, that eliminates a lot of things. You know, but there's a lot of things. Have you ever noticed, though, this is just something that, for you guys to think about. Dirt road. As you get older, you don't care how high it flies or how fast it goes. It's how does it taste. Just, just something I noticed. But we like gifts. And the Bible says, Jesus said, it's go that I ascend to the Father because I will send the Holy Spirit to you. Now the Holy Spirit manifests himself or makes his presence known in your life in different ways. Now, that is simply through the gifts of the Spirit that we find. Now, the gifts of the Spirit were to give you boldness so that you can live for God each day. That's what God wants to do in your life. So that you're not out serving the Lord all in your own strength, but that God actually helps you. And that, friends, I'll tell you something, is really important because of the times that you feel like giving up and walking away and throwing in the towel, well, that's when the Holy Spirit comes alongside of you, the Bible says, and helps you and strengthens you. That's Pastor Mike Kessler on It's Time. If you've missed any part of today's episode, I'd like to inform you that we offer It's Time for free as a podcast download in the iTunes store. If you'd like a hard copy that you can keep and share, give us a call at 800-357-4226 and the operator can help you with that. Don't forget, It's Time to Grow. Pastor Mike's book on the Christian walk is also available completely free for you by calling that toll-free number I just mentioned. Tune in next time. For more, it's time. It's time.